Welcome, everybody, to the 22nd episode of the Duncan with Dom podcast. Once again, I'm your host, Dominic Chapone. Uh, joined today for an NFL special free, uh, featuring two notable guests, Austin and Seth. Uh, Austin, welcome to the pod. Thank you. I'm glad to be back. And Seth, welcome for your first time on the Duncan with Dom pod. Nice to meet you. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so obviously, uh, definitely a big day, or definitely a big day last week, or a couple of days, rather, with the NFL draft. Uh, in my pod, we've been doing a lot of NF- NBA stuff lately. Uh, but obviously, there's a big, uh, a lot of uh, notable takeaways and headlines regarding the NFL draft, especially uh, how the top 30 shook out, where different QBs went, all that sort of stuff. Uh, so I guess we can start with Austin, and then we'll move with Seth. What were your, some of your, uh, I guess, big picture things that you saw from this draft, especially from that day one? Uh, we can start with Austin. Uh, I guess, uh, you know, the movement definitely was interesting to see a lot of teams move in, a couple teams multiple times, but uh, honestly, the most important takeaway, I thought, was the lack of teams who would give away a first-round pick next year, because this uh, draft class next year, now that we're going to get a full college season, you know, going back to the combine format, those 2022 first-round picks are being treated like gold, especially with a defensive class coming out next year that's going to be apparently very star-studded, so we'll see just how well teams value those picks going throughout the season. And Seth, how about you? Uh, my biggest takeaway was the stupidity of many teams to not take the second best quarterback in the class in Justin Fields. He somehow slid all the way to the 11th pick in the draft um, with guys such as Trey Lance uh, going over him and teams that could have used uh, quarterbacks such as the Panthers and Broncos because I'm not a Sam Darnold or Drew Locke believer at this point. Um, they could have used, you know, the second best quarterback who would have in most drafts been the best quarterback on the board and the likely number one pick. I've had him as a higher ranked prospect as Kyler Murray, who came out a couple years ago, and he somehow fell all the way to 11th, where I think the Bears somehow got the biggest steal of the entire first round. Bouncing off both their points, so first starting with Austin, there definitely was a big emphasis on keeping those 2022 first-round picks. It seems like a lot of teams moving up and down were more likely to give, you know, a couple seconds or two seconds and a third rather than just forking over a first-round pick. Uh, And going back to what Seth said, it was very interesting to see how the QB shook out, particularly uh, in the top 15. Uh, There was a lot of emphasis on... Um, I guess to talk about where was Justin Fields going to go in the draft, there's obviously a lot of questions to whether some of these higher upside, or I guess some of these higher upside but lower uh, floor QBs like the Zach Wilsons and Trey Lances of the world, how would they shake up uh, in the lottery? Um, What were your thoughts on those two QBs in particular going that high? We'll dive into a little bit deeper, but uh, just immediate thoughts regarding that because I find that pretty fascinating. Yeah, honestly, I love the Trey Lance pick to San Fran. Uh, yes, for, for San Francisco's point of view, but especially for Trey Lance's. I mean, he's going to a team with very offensive-minded head coach in Shanahan. Great run game. They're one of the few, like, run-dominant teams left in the league that defaults them nine times out of ten. And with the way that that offensive line is built up, it's also a sneaky good offensive line. He's really been given the keys to this offense where the only thing he has to do, basically, is not crash the car. He doesn't even have to start immediately with Jimmy Garoppolo still being pegged as QB1. I think he's in the perfect spot out of all these quarterbacks to succeed moving forward. And Seth, how about you regarding like Zach Wilson and uh, Trey Lance in terms of like how they went super high relative to where I think a lot of people thought they were going to go, especially given how like their stock rose, especially toward like that last month prior to the NFL draft? Yeah, I think I always saw Zach Wilson. I, I had Wilson as my third quarterback in uh, the draft, so I could have always seen him going that high, especially um, with the Jets' infatuation over him for the past few months. I feel like he'd been the clear number two pick for quite a while. Um, 
just because I guess they felt that he fit their system more, um, even though, like I was saying earlier, that I think Fields is the second-best quarterback in the draft. And even though um, 49ers were probably the best fit for Lance in terms of the scheme they run and having um, Shanahan there, um, who can be a good, like, you know, play, he's excellent play designer. Um, and I think that's going to be key for Lance, especially with the running game, um, them taking Trey Sermon in the third round and Aaron B- Banks in the second, trying to solidify that run game. Um, I think it's good for Lance, but I'm still very shocked um, that we were hearing a lot of it being between Lance or um, Jones and not much discussion about Fields. Uh, and I as many people can't really tell you why Fields was on the discussion for the third pick. Yeah, I think the interesting thing about this NFL draft, particularly with those top three picks, is that it's all QBs who have a lot of upside. And obviously there's a big name there in Trevor Lawrence who uh, could easily be one of the best QBs if like all of the uh, potential gets untapped. It can turn into one of the best QBs probably, if not in this class, definitely in, honestly, this decade. Uh, on the flip side, though, a lot of the other guys, though, um, similarly are in interesting situations. Like obviously the Jets, they basically got rid of Sam Darnold and are moving on to another lottery-bound QB that could or, uh, make or break it. And then Seth brings up a good point here, but Trey Lance, he'll be very good with Kyle Shanahan's system, particularly that 49ers team when healthy is absolutely stacked, at, especially at the wide receiver and running back slots. Uh, but on the flip side, I mean, you even see it though with like Jimmy Garoppolo, how he went from a backup QB to, you know, a full-time starter um, and basically elevated that team all the way to contention for a, a year or two. Um, but Obviously, there's definitely an interesting uh, a scenario to play out there with those top three guys. I want to move down the board just a little bit with a couple of notable other QBs that were taken. Uh, and obviously, you brought up, uh, uh, excuse me, um, Justin Fields all the way falling down to number 11. Um, I, obviously, I think you can argue that this is a huge win for the Bears, given that they got a lot of value in a pick that you can argue should have been used, uh, should have, uh, Justin Fields should have been taken earlier. So, Austin, how do you see Justin Fields fitting in with the Bears? Well, you said it. You can argue it's a huge win. I think it's honestly impossible to argue that it's a huge loss. I mean, he's really he's got it all. The Bears are one of the few teams to actually trade away their 22 first-round pick, and while I'm in the camp that absolutely believes that those picks should be treated like gold, it was the right move for them. They finally, for the longest time, have a quarterback that not only can they peg as our quarterback of the future, but unlike Trubisky, probably has the potential to become that. I feel bad for guys like Andy Dolan and the $88 million man Nick Foles, who were both pegged to be QB1, who were told as such, and now very clearly aren't. But with a guy like Fields, uh, the Chicago's in a spot where it's you know time to start retooling the system a bit. And I think establishing that quarterback position with a talent like Fields will do them wonders. I want to bring up a point Seth brought up earlier, but he's absolutely right in that I think Justin Fields should have been at least five or six picks higher than he ended up going. If you look down the board, uh, while Kyle Pitts, I think, is a very talented tight end, there is a question as to whether you take a tight end that high, especially with a top five overall pick, and also given that Matt Ryan is, what, 35 or 36, you move further down all the way to like seven, uh, or excuse me, rather eight, where the Panthers, obviously, they maybe have their guy, but you would... Rather, I, I would argue I would rather have Justin Fields and probably Sam Darnold, especially the value that they gave up. Look at the Broncos, and they're basically stuck with Drew Locke and a whole lot of nothing. I mean, there really is a scenario here in which the uh, all of these teams mess up and that Justin Fields could really be the guy. There's obviously questions regarding um, is he going to start, given that they already have a couple veterans in place. And there's also questions about whether he can actually turn, uh, be more than a big name and actually you know, produce on the court, or excuse me, on the field. Uh, Seth, do you see him like in the future producing um, down the road, or do you think there are more causes of concern for him? 
For Fields? Yeah. Uh, I think that just with, like, every prospect, I mean, even as much as he's pegged out to be, Lawrence still has his things that he could bust because of. Um, but I think Fields has the second uh, highest ceiling of any quarterback in the draft and one of the higher floors just because I think um, he was a very well-rounded quarterback at Ohio State. Um, and I also think the Bears, with their defense, um, is going to put him in a position where he doesn't have to do too much right off the bat. He'll be able to take a year and grow. And whether or not they start him right off the bat, even though they likely will, um, it's actually going to be interesting to see how Chicago handles their quarterback room because of how much they're paying um, both Foles and the contract they signed Dalton to on top of now having three guys who could potentially be starters day one and how they're going to handle that. Um, because you don't want to just throw fields out to the wolves and then, as we've seen plenty of times before, he just gets completely overwhelmed. Um but you also don't want to waste your defense who's getting towards the end of its prime. Uh, even Khalil Mack is, what, turning 29 this year. You yeah. have a lot of your defense that's about to be on the wrong side of 30. Yeah. You have about a two-year span, and it's going to be... And if th- that two-year span ends without at least a deep playoff run with Fields you're pretty much looking at a full-blown, like, reload for uh, the entire, like, Bears team through coaches and players, and it's going to be a question of would Fields survive that with a new coaching staff and everything. Yeah, and that's a fascinating argument there because obviously the Bears were in the same situation about five years ago or four years ago when they drafted Trubisky because the argument was do you start Trubisky on day one or do you put Mike Glennon in and obviously you can argue Trubisky had that time had a higher ceiling but Mike Glennon was a capable star capable quote-unquote starter mm-hmm. ended up being a disaster for Chicago because Mike Glennon basically flamed out and wasn't anything and then Trubisky was just too young and too inexperienced in the heat of the moment obviously Dalton is definitely a better QB than Trubisky or excuse me than uh, Mike Glennon now however you could also argue that Chicago could be suffering from a little bit of deja vu here regarding the decision at the QB position. I completely agree on that. But here, the difference is, in my opinion, I was never behind Trubisky. I didn't even think he was a first-round quarterback. I was never – I didn't trust his, like, one-year wonder uh, in college pretty much. And I think that Justin Fields walking on today has the potential already to be the best quarterback in the history of the Bears – because if you look at their history, they they don't have a single yeah. quarterback that's yeah. ever thrown for 4,000 yards. Yeah. And you've got QBs across the league who have done that. Even on some teams, you wouldn't be you would be surprised. Yeah, they've been around for far less time than Chicago. Yeah. They're, they're the only team in history that hasn't ever had a 4,000-yard passer. Mm-hmm. And they've been around since... God knows yeah, how long. Like the, di- the day long. of the dinosaurs, you know. Absurd, their, their best quarterback ever is Jay Cutler. Yeah, and that's, 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 that's pretty scary. That's pretty <laughs> As scary. a Dolphins fan, that's pretty scarring, too. Yeah, and that's the thing is Fields walks in as I think he's going to have higher expectations than Trubitsky had because I feel like there's a lot more of a consensus, even though he went eight picks later than Trubitsky did, that Fields, hands down, has way more talent than and way more potential than Trubisky did. So I think that there's going to be, not necessarily right off the bat, because I think the Bears 
and the, their fans have also learned what happens when you throw a young quarterback under the fire with super high expectations, not just three, four years ago. So I think the fans will give him a little bit more leeway, but I think they're also expecting that Fields is going to be the best Bears quarterback of all time, which sounds like a lot, but all he really has to do is stay healthy and be average for 16 games to already do that. Yeah, that's my biggest knock on Justin Fields as a prospect right now is Chicago as an organization. I've never had much confidence in them. There's always a little bit of anxiety involved when you're talking about them and their decision-making processes. So I don't doubt that Justin Fields has what it takes to do his part. But uh, like Seth, like you mentioned, with guys like Cleo Mack and Akeem Hicks starting to hit the end of their prime, he's not going to get much help from that defense outside of guys like Eddie Jackson for much longer. So it really depends on how fast the organization and the front office can move these other pieces around and get you know a system together, establish themselves with an identity, which is something that they haven't had for a while. Yeah, his, his rookie year is going to be big because if he has a uh, Dak or Justin Herbert – um, or even Kyler Murray-like rookie year with the Bears team around him. And also, I mean, Allen Robinson is probably the most underrated receiver in the league just For because sure. the Bears aren't that big of a te- like known team right now, offensively at least. Um, I could see them not making a playoff push, but making a push to get into the playoffs even as soon as Fields' rookie year, if they don't start Dalton for the first half of the year, go two and six, and then throw Fields in. Um, But if they start him after maybe one or two games, or even at the start, depending how he does during preseason and everything, we could possibly see Fields being um, the quarterback to take them, the one rookie quarterback to make the playoffs this year. I want to focus on the last QB in the first round. Obviously, uh, New England selected Mac Jones uh, from Alabama with the 15th pick. Uh, surprisingly, the last QB taken in the first round, I thought there would be a couple more, but obviously not that deep this year, at least upside-wise in terms of a QB class. Um, what were your guys' thoughts on Mac Jones falling all the way to the Patriots, basically at the beginning of that uh, first half of the uh, NFL draft? Yeah, honestly, I wasn't surprised at all. Uh, we saw a lot of rumors about Mac Jones going three to San Francisco, but... I mean, the scheme fit never made a ton of sense. And besides, guys like John Lynch and Kyle Shanahan, they've been really good about masking their picks. A couple years ago, when they allowed the Bears to trade up one spot for Trubisky because they sent out all the stuff, we're taking Trubisky, when they had Solomon Thomas on their mind 100%. Like, they're great at throwing up these smoke and mirrors. So to see all of these leaks come out of their camp, I really wasn't buying it much. So to me, it wasn't surprising to see him not taken at three and to even fall a bit further. Uh, I definitely think Mac Jones has one of the lowest floors out of the first round quarterbacks. I'd say probably the lowest. It's, you know, uh, New England's a good fit for him, like that kind of system. I feel like uh, with the weapons that they have in place, it's going to be a lot of uh, dink and dunk kind of throws, more of a spread offense, which I think uh, Mac's going to be able to do well in because he's not going to have those elite receivers like Devonta Smith and Jalen Waddle being able to bail him out if his throw, deep throws are a little inaccurate. And then, Seth, how about you? Um, I think we're using the wrong word when we're talking about Mac Jones. I wouldn't consider it him falling. I would consider it still being a reach, mm-hmm. even at yeah. 15. Yep. Um, so, I would, at three would have been... Insane. Insane reach. Um, I think there were four quarterbacks in this draft. I don't think Mac Jones is going to be a starter in this league, um, in my opinion. I think he'll be a fine backup. Mm-hmm. I think he'll um, just be one of those guys that sticks around the league for 14, 15 years, just like 
bumping around as the number two or three guy on teams brought in to like develop young quarterbacks, blah blah blah. You hear it all the time. I I don't even think he really has the potential to be like a top twenty five starter in the league. Um, so my opinion on it is I think even the Patriot if any team was gonna trade up to get a quarterback, it should have been the Fields who slipped to eleven, not the Matt Jones, who likely would have still fallen a couple more picks. Um probably. Like I, I, I think one the forty ers for some reason fell in love with Jones. Um, even though I don't know if y'all saw that big meme going around of him uh in his like pro day overthrowing the receiver and then it was I a saw flashback that. to Garoppolo yep. overthrowing Emmanuel Sanders in the Super Bowl. Yeah. And I was like, oh God. And they still fell in love with him as their like second guy to uh Trey Lance and it was just absurd to me. I think once he made it past three he was gonna fall to the late first. So I think the Pats could have honestly stayed in place and still got their guy that they wanted. Um my question: Who, who is he throwing to? Yeah, that I was Other I, than the tight end position. Who is he throwing to? Well, a receiver? They re- they signed like three like number three receivers to like high end number two type receiver deals, and I'm like, like I I, I don't know who he's going to be throwing to. Yeah, to bounce off a couple things there. I mean, obviously New England, I think was felt not pressured, but I think they were incentivized to take a QB just because if you look at the teams ahead of them after Chicago, it was a Lions team that already traded for their guy, their guy, quote unquote, in Goff. Uh, the Jets, who obviously took Wilson in with their second pick, and the Chargers, who already set a QB. So on the one hand, you can argue, I mean, maybe they thought like another team would take it, but then you look also down the board. Though, I mean, half of these teams already either had a QB or were set in place with their fr- guy as a franchise quarterback. They didn't really necessarily have to reach this high for a guy I'm along the lines of both of you guys where I think it's a decent at best value pick and at worst it's a waste of a first round pick once again that the Patriots always seem to mess up for like you know like almost all of our lifetimes here especially when it comes to you know how they use their first rounders yeah they uh, I mean Bill Belichick greatest coach of like ever but horrible drafter I I, I don't understand mm. how he's done any of the drafts but um <laughs> Yeah, you look at right after the Pats, after you trade up the 15, you have the Cardinals, Raiders, Dolphins aren't going to pick anyone. They're going to stick with two. You maybe have Washington, um, but I don't think they were high on Jones either. Um, Giants weren't going to take anyone. Colts, like they, they honestly could have stayed in place, and the only team they had to worry about was Washington, which I and I don't think that they were going to take Jones. Because yeah. they ended up taking... Uh, Jamin Davis, uh, a linebacker out of Kentucky. But, yeah, I don't think that – I think it was a reach, not him falling. Yeah, Belichick as a GM this offseason was very surprising to me since he, you know, built his whole system around either not using his first-round picks or finding his gems late and uh, didn't really ever spend that much in free agency besides retaining your own guys. So to see him do not one but both of those things this offseason, like uh, – you know, going up and getting Mac Jones, who is a guy that I think at best will be suitable, and that is because of guys like Johnny Smith and Hunter Henry, who Bill Belichick opened up the wallet for, you know, so that way they can run that more spread offense, shorter passes, things that might help Mac Jones, you know, mask himself as a good starting quarterback and not expose his weaknesses as much. But uh, very odd just from Belichick. It's kind of seeing he doesn't even know how to act without Tom Brady. 
Uh, I want to focus away from the QB conversation more toward the rest of the first round, especially some of the notable picks uh, toward the top of the of the round, obviously. Uh, starting off at four, uh, tight end from Florida, Kyle Pitts, was taken by Atlanta. Obviously, uh, a lot of people on both the pro taking him and anti taking him. Uh, where do both of you guys fall in terms of like his selection, both on, as a fit in Atlanta and like within the context of the NFL draft, was that like too high of a selection? Should he have fallen closer, or was that like the amount of value you thought he was like worth a top five NFL pick this year? We'll start with Austin. Well, yeah, I think Kyle Pitts is a great offensive talent, but uh, I think biggest question you have to answer about Kyle Pitts is what is he? Like he played uh, outside, he played in the slot, he played at tight end, and that was on the college level. So to see him, because his size, he's such a tweener in that sense. And it seems like Atlanta doesn't really know like what to do with him that much because they've got guys like Julio Jones and Calvin Ridley. So I assume he's going to try to play that tight end position. But to see him have an awkward size as a tight end, uh, he definitely has uh, the talent. But uh, it'll be questionable to see. And how about you, Seth? Uh, my opinion, I... Completely disagree with what you have to say. <laughs> I think Dude. that he is the perfect day and age tight end. 6'6", 245 pounds. He's the perfect size to where he's going to overwhelm every single position on defense. You're not, you're going to have, like, I don't know what defensive position is going to guard him because he's out here running, what, 4-3, four, 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 high 4-3s, four, 4-4, four, four, yeah, whatever, yeah, whatever he four, ran. He, so yeah, he's going to run by four, four, He's going to run by any linebacker except maybe two in the league that are uh, out here uh, running four threes. Um, was it the one for the Tampa Bay? Um, I'm blanking right now. Oh, I'm blanking the linebacker that ran like a, a – he ran a four three something <laughs> a couple years ago. And then Micah Parsons who just got drafted, but he's horrible at coverage. So who's going to guard him at the linebacker position? And then what corner is going to guard his height at six six? He He's – an absolute freak of nature at his position and I think his size even though he may not be the best technical blocker he's not scared or hesitant at all to go block and I think getting to the college ranks where his head coach now is actually a former tight end coach I think he I think Atlanta was the perfect spot for him to reach his potential but I do think it was the wrong pick for Atlanta just because of uh, Matt Ryan's age and again I'm gonna say this with pretty much every pick for someone who doesn't have a quarterback or has an aging quarterback you should have taken the second best quarterback in the draft yeah obviously we brought this up earlier Matt Ryan being you know 36 years old obviously was a bit of a concern for the Falcons because they could have either I mean stay in this meddling position where they still have Ryan but you don't know whether they're going to sign a guy or you know trade for somebody or something like that uh, and on the flip side I mean uh, I kind of like to compare a lot of things to the NBA and he kind of reminds me of like an NBA wing where like you want the perfect NBA guy who you can you know, drill basically you want like your Kevin Durant of the world the guy who can shoot from anywhere guard multiple positions. yeah guard multiple positions you know be like lanky but also you know kind of quick and he kind of like reminds of that and it can go either way where you can have a scenario in which he's a super duper star or a scenario in which he's like the jack of all trades master of none he's got the perfect body but he can't really use it kind of like a shame to beat like that grizzly center who had like all the physical tools and just never found like the skill for it um so i think uh, i agree with both you guys i think it's a lot of definitely a high upside but definitely a very big downside for atlanta i want to move yeah. on to the wide oh you have one more thought oh, i was just gonna say i may be blinded by my hatred of atlanta here but uh 
my questions with Kyle Pitts come from the coaching staff and knowing, like, are they going to figure out what to do with him? Because Fair. my problem is I label him as an offensive weapon, a true freak of nature. But the thing is, since he can play multiple positions, like, are they going to figure out how to best utilize him? I, In my opinion, I think even without the coaching staff, I think Matt Ryan being a for, for, former MVP quarterback, um, I think he's good enough just as many of the other um, older what, whether you, or not you think Matt Ryan, he was a lead at one point, and he is a very good technician at the quarterback spot at this point. And I think such as how I wasn't very high on Cal, Calvin Ridley coming out of college, but I think Matt Ryan is one of those quarterbacks that at this point is going to be the perfect spot for him to figure out what he wants to do. Oh, I want I want to move on to a couple things here uh, regarding the fifth and sixth pick. Uh, obviously, um, two wide receivers were taken both from the SEC. Uh, one obviously going uh, to my Miami Dolphins and Jalen Waddle, and then a pick before that, uh, Jamar Chase, going to the Bengals. Uh, what were your thoughts on both of those wide receivers and where they ended up? Do you think that was the right value for both those teams? Because uh, personally, as a fan of both uh, Joe Burrow and as of Tua, I think that those are great fits offensively. Um, but at the same time, though, obviously, uh, wide receivers definitely carry a lot of weight with them in terms of like you know where they fall within the context of the first round of an NFL draft so we can start with you Austin sure uh for me it was kind of a feel-good story seeing Jamar Chase reunite with Joe Burrow being the Joe Burrow super fan that I am but uh it still doesn't sit right with me when uh Panay was on the board there and there's no question about the troubles that Cincinnati's had in that offensive line especially Joe Burrow coming off a torn ACL there to see Jamar Chase, he is a great offensive talent, I think, you know. Obviously, it's been proven that they have a great connection. But it, maybe it comes down to a position of need, where it's like, I understand uh, this idea of best player available, but even in my eyes, between the two, I would still say Panesu is best player available between the two. And I know that's debatable, but it was definitely more of a position of need for them to take an offensive tackle. And when you have a guy like that, that so many guys are touting as a future Hall of Famer, just based on potential alone, I feel like... Maybe they made the wrong pick there. Yeah, so uh, how do you think about that? I couldn't agree more there. I think that not only was Chase my wide receiver too, and I although he does have a year chemistry with Joe Burrow, it's the NFL, it's a different league. If this is your receiver of the future, they're going to have 18 years of getting to know each other. Like it, I don't think one extra year is going to make that big of a difference, if I'm being honest. Um, but also, w w again, with him coming off of his injury, I still, they've thrown so many picks at the offensive line over the past couple of years, and they've all been horrible. And you finally have this one guy that everyone touts. Now, even Slater, but you have two guys that everyone's like, touts as like, you know, even if they're not like elite at their worst, they're like just below pro bowl level. Like they're going to be like, they're guys Absolutely. that you're like, they're going to be good. Like. Sewell is not even 21 years old. Like and he's he, pretty dominant, And yeah. he has dominated his past two years at college. Same, although uh, Slater took this past year off before, he dominated the two years before that. And I just think it was really dumb because you're not in the market for a quarterback. You have Joe Burrow. All, he's coming off a bad injury, but you're not just going to dump him out after a bad injury. You're going to see at least at least give him another year. If he's horrible after this year, Bengals may be back in the market for another quarterback. But you take a guy to protect your quarterback, and I don't, I don't care if you play him at either one of them can play both ha tackle or that 
any pretty much any position along the offensive line that you need. Honestly, so yeah. take the guy that's going to protect your quarterback and not, in my opinion, the second best receiver that was on the board. Yeah, I've always been in that camp too, where I feel like the, basically like there's obviously two sides of the coin here. On the one hand, how, do you surround your franchise QB with weapons to give him the opportunities to throw the ball and basically showcase his talent, or do you give him more time in the pocket to therefore make plays to whoever may or may not be on the field? And I'm in agreement with you there. Like there were two really talented offensive linemen, both. Picked at 7 and then at 13, obviously. That could have really made a big difference for both these rosters. Especially, I think, for the Dolphins. Because as a huge Dolphins fan that I am, uh, we've literally seen how for like the past you know five or so years, all of our QBs have flamed out. Partly because they've had decent offensive weapons. But then they have you know three seconds in the, in the pocket uh, to really make a play. And we've seen this time and time again. I mean, I'm not... Uh, adamant when it comes to watching football, but even like in this year's Super Bowl, teams that can't protect their QB often are in very big trouble. We've seen it with the Packers with their offensive line consistencies. We've seen it with the Chiefs this past year with some of their offensive line consistencies. And we've seen how basically not being able to protect your QB hurts you, uh, maybe not in terms of a regular season uh, consistently, but in terms definitely of like where you're going as a team uh, moving forward. Yeah, I agree. And again, I mean, I like the Jamar Chase pick just for the idea of pairing up with Joe Burrow, just but as a fan, like as at my most casual level. But when you're really looking at it, it was not the right pick. I would go with Panay Sewell 10 times out of 10. And Seth, the same thing along your lines too, in agreement with that or? Yeah, I, I don't have much more to say. I completely agree with that. All right, I want to move on to a couple more notable picks here before we kind of like wrap things up here. Uh, Philadelphia at 10 took another Alabama receiver in Devontae Smith. Uh, if I'm not mistaken, he was the Heisman winner, correct? Yes. yes. So what were your thoughts on him falling all the way down? Obviously pairing up with Jalen Hurts potentially in Philadelphia. Was he the right move at 10? Uh, did you think that they should have taken Justin Fields? Or did you agree that Jalen Hurts is the guy you kind of want to build a core around him? Uh, we can start with Austin yet again and go to Seth. Well, I mean, we saw with Howie Long, he was very adamant, vocal to the public that Jalen Hurts was QB1, they were doing everything to build around him, so honestly, for a second, whether they should have or not, there was no chance in hell they were taking quarterback first round, especially when you're that adamant about backing your guy, you can't go back on that. With Devonta Smith, um, honestly, I think he's a great wide receiver, They talk, people talk about his size issues, personally, maybe it's just because I'm a small guy myself, but... I don't buy into it all that much, especially when he made a Mac Jones, the 15th overall pick, and I think Devonta Smith had a lot to do with that. So I uh, think he's a phenomenal talent. Uh, I'm a fan of his. And how, and how about you, Seth? Um, I, I like Devonta Smith. He was my wide receiver three, so I think him being obviously a third receiver off the board was uh, – and I expected him to go around this pick, so it was kind of what I expected, especially I knew the Giants wanted him. I know the Eagles literally – just gave gave up a third rounder to the Cowboys to move up to screw over um, the Giants. But just as I've been saying, am I allowed to cuss on this? Oh, uh, yeah, you can cuss. Yeah, you go ahead, honestly. Okay, but I was <laughs> say, so you are talking about how... We got like, a couple F-bombs on this pod, so be my guest. <laughs> so you were talking about how he had been super adamant about like Jalen Hurts and everything, and talking about to the public, to the team. When you have a chance... To get the second best quarterback in the draft, and one that's obviously better yep. than Jalen Hurts. Fuck what people think. Go get your quarterback and take him. And if they had taken Fields, as a Cowboys fan, I would have been absolutely livid that the Cowboys only made the only the Eagles only had to give up an extra third round to get the second best. Had a ch- they had a chance to get the second best quarterback in the draft, 
and they did it. And I thank the Eagles so much for that and the Giants for trading down with the Bears because <laughs> Daniel Jones is not it. Jalen Hurts is not it. Washington still doesn't have a quarterback. And as a Cowboys fan, I am looking, <laughs> yeah. I am so happy for this next year because we're the only team with a top 20 quarterback in the league. <laughs> well, you bring up an excellent point there that I think a lot of teams uh, or a lot of uh, people tend to forget when like, looking at the NFL draft, for instance. Wide receivers are very, like, there's a lot of them, like, in the draft. Maybe not in terms of, like, high, high-end guys, but in terms of just, like, floor raiser, uh, generic starter, like, you know, wide receiver two, like, three along that range, flex, whatever. There's a lot of them available in the draft, and if, like, teams tend to, you know, there's, like, a, a very defining line that teams tend to forget between who are the top, top-end guys you know deserve to be in the top ten, top eight, and then who are those guys who you can make a case that they should be a starter, but I don't know if they're you should take a starter necessarily with a top 15 pick. And this might be the case here with Philadelphia. If I'm, am I wrong? I, I completely agree uh, no, with what point. you're saying. Um, although I do disagree. I think that Devontae Smith is going to be a very good receiver. I think he's, yeah, yeah, of I think he's far better than Rieger, which they took over uh, Justin Jefferson last year, and that also made me super happy <laughs> as a Cowboys fan. Uh, I love to see, although my cow is ready to this draft, I love to see the rest of my uh, fellow NFC East members making dumb decisions also. Um, but I do think giving up an extra third rounder to come, come up for Devontae Smith um, – Guy who's 22, turn, already about to turn 23. He's, what, 170, 165 Yeah, yeah he's very light as a wide receiver. He, he, he weighs as much as me. Um, but I, I completely agree with what you're saying. Although I will say that that pick is nowhere as close to as bad as the Rams. With their first pick in the draft in the second round, took 2-2 Atwell, who is 5'9". <laughs> 149 pounds. I am like 20 pounds heavier yeah, than no, this guy. I say, he's built like me. And no, yes. say, he weighs as much as like a palm tree. He doesn't weigh like anything. Is and, 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 and his... <laughs> the thing is, he ran, I think, like a 4.37, which is, a, is a stupid fast. But at 149 pounds and like 5.9, 5, 5.10, 5, I need this guy to at least be running like a 4.28. Yeah. Or a 4.3 flat. Like, I, I can't be having this guy almost running a 4.4, 4, which is like... You know, a speed where you start to freak out at a guy that's like six foot, six one, running a four four. But if you're five eight, five nine, I can, you can't be running almost a four flat, a four four flat. Like I need you with some four two, super low end four three speed. If I'm have a chance at even taking you as high as the second or third round. Yeah, but going like trying to make this a little bit NBA equivalent, it kind of reminds you of like you know power forwards who they're like six nine, but they can't really shoot, but then they also can't guard the five or the four, and it's like I they need like similar to like Seth saying like if you're not good at one thing, you need to be good at the other. Mm-hmm. Similarly, those types of guys need yep. to be good at one particular thing. Um, I want to bounce off to a couple more uh, picture. Obviously, I want to start with the, the Dallas Cowboys at, at number twelve. You guys took. Um, a very interesting name uh, at that position. Can you like do you, uh, I guess set this as yeah, your let's team? Start with that. Uh, you want to go on the rant here regarding your cube, uh, your uh, your pick at that number twelve spot? All right. You mind if I just go? I'm, I'll focus real quick on number twelve. But yeah, we can focus on all our teams. I'll start with all Dallas right, here real right, quick. We'll start with Dallas. All right. So, I Micah Parsons was one of like two or three picks they could have made that I was going to be not happy about. They had so many options of what they could have done. I would have been so happy with Slater. Obviously, the two cornerbacks I wanted got taken right before the Cowboys picked at 10, which also, again, what I was talking about earlier, Carolina and Denver are idiots. It screwed over the Cowboys, but they're idiots for not taking fields. 
um, and letting one of my dream babies slide to me at number 10 <laughs> in the horn and Sertan. Um, but I was happy at the fact that we were able to pick up an extra third rounder. Um, although I wasn't necessarily happy with who we used the third round pick on. Um, so I know he's had a couple off the field issues and whatnot, but that kind of seemed to be a theme throughout our draft, uh, for some reason in Kelvin Joseph, who was a former LSU, uh, cornerback, you know, Austin, yep. Kelvin Joseph, former, former yep. LSU cornerback, he got kicked <laughs> he, off yep. the team and then he went to Kentucky kicked <laughs> off the team and ended up in Kentucky because yep. he got into it with the coaching staff way too, one too many times and then got into it again. With LSU guys <laughs> yeah, got into it again with the Kentucky coaching staff. Um, but in nine games at Kentucky, he had four picks and like eight passes uh, defense. Like he, he is super talented. Um, just definitely uh, has some maturity issues, both him and Parsons, along with I'm, I I want this guy to get cut, Josh Ball. Um, probably one of the worst players to get drafted this entire year. Uh, <laughs> in the span of like November 2019 to like January 2020 or like the year it may have been the year before um he had uh 11 domestic violence allegations within the span of two months and we took him in the fifth round (laughs) so i was not too happy about that um but so there's the bad things about it good things jabril cox at in the fourth round was one of my favorite picks of the entire draft uh jabril cox to me is one of the, if not the best, uh, pass defensive linebackers coming out this draft, and I was he he's not that good against the run, um, but obviously he's a linebacker like that kind of builds like instincts and stuff as you play. But he is probably the second or first best pass defensive linebacker, which as the league is becoming more pass heavy is great, and especially in the fourth round. Um, we also took uh, Simi Fahoko, a Stanford wide receiver in the fifth round, who at, I think he's about 6'4 uh, or 6'5 and ran uh, like a 4'4-3 four, four, uh, or something like that. That size and speed, I think he'd be perfect to come in uh, year one as our like fifth or sixth receiver just like you know have a year like learned under the ropes of Amari Cooper, Michael Gallup, CeeDee Lamb whatnot um then one other guy I was really happy about was Israel uh Mukuamu uh the South Carolina cornerback who he'll play safety for us most likely um but he's also a big guy 6'4 with I think like a 36 uh inch uh arm length so super long arms super tall and was a pretty productive uh player at south carolina he single-handedly pretty much in 2019 beat georgia he had three interceptions in one game versus georgia um one of them he returned to the house for an interception so he was pretty much the sole reason for them beating one of the top teams in the league or in college football that year (laughs) <laughs> and yeah. I, and I, after that rant, so Austin, how do you think your Saints did overall? I think obviously a little bit more of a quiet draft, um, especially toward the beginning. But what do you think? Your how do you think your team fared overall, uh, especially with like some of your picks? Yeah, uh, quiet stuff. We fair assumption. Um, it's getting a lot of Marcus Davenport uh, flashbacks, especially after they signed him to a fifth year extension. But I'm not going to get into that. 
Uh, first round pick, Peyton Turner. To me, he screams that Davenport pick where uh, raw is the best word to describe him. And so, like, he has the size, he's the strength, Reach. speed. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. And the thing is, but he hasn't tested himself against, like, the best in college football. So to see how we'll do against this NFL-level talent, and the fact that we've got a small sample size when we're talking about uh, Peyton Turner here. I mean, this past year, he only played five games. So, uh, to me, this screams Davenport pick, which did not pan out well. So, they just, just decided if it didn't work, let's just do it all over again. Uh, same kind of thing Always with... Always a good philosophy. Yeah. <laughs> same kind of thing with... P especially in a position that wasn't really necessary. It wasn't a position of need whatsoever. Hey, it sounds like the Cowboys. They did yes. Micah Parsons three years after taking Vanderesque, two years after taking Jalen Smith. Smith. That was the only part of the Cowboys' defense I really liked was the linebacking core, so they decided to add some linebackers to it. So, I understand the pain there. Uh... Pete Warner out of Ohio State was our second-round pick. He uh, also uh, very athletically gifted, uh, but the same kind of questions as Peyton Turner. Um, not tested, sure I feel about he that. He tested out of his mind. I'm yeah. pretty sure he was one of the highest like graded athletic like linebackers. Yes, uh, his speed especially. Yeah. For someone his size, phenomenal. Absolutely phenomenal. Uh, but, I mean, when you're talking about uh, coverage grades – uh, he had one of the worst out of any linebacker. He had, uh, I believe, a 53, uh, according to Pro Football Focus, which uh, is abysmal. So um, to see what he's going to do like when he can't rely on solely his athleticism to make a play, uh, not, looking, not looking great uh, as of now. Uh, when the draft finally starts to get good for us, though, uh, third-round pick Paulson Dable out of Stanford. One of my favorite picks of the draft. Yeah, I was a huge fan of that because that absolutely addresses a need. He plays the same kind of way that Janoris Jenkins did, so to fill Jack Rabbit's role coming right in, I think he can start and he will start. Uh, I've got here 27 pass breakups, 8 interceptions, so he also can put up numbers as well as just make an impact. So Paulson and Dabo definitely gets my stamp of approval. Uh, fourth round pick, Ian Book. Uh, to me, uh, doesn't need to start, of course, but uh, I Ever. like the... Yeah, of course. But I like the Ian Book pick for the sole reason that I need him to outperform Taysom Hill in camp at quarterback. Because my worst nightmare as a Saints fan is that Taysom Hill would get that game-in, game-out QB1 role. I personally am a fan of Taysom Hills, but I like him more in that uh, jack-of-all-trades master. Yeah, we I'm talked about, about we talked, Winston. Yeah, uh, to me, Winston is QB1. Okay. Yeah, we yes. talked about this in our pod earlier, uh, like, you know, about a month or so ago, obviously that question yes. about the Saints starting QB yep. and how it would be valuable probably to have Taysom Hill as that, you know, like Swiss Army knife of sorts rather than him putting him at the mm -hmm. forefront at the, the, yeah. the driver's so, seat. Yeah, so anyone who listened to that episode with the two of us, <laughs> uh, my opinions haven't changed at all. I just, I need him to stave off Taysom Hill, and that's, if that's his ceiling, that's fine with me. Then we're talking sixth-round pick Landon Young, uh, Kentucky offensive tackle. Uh, he was a first-team All-SEC pick. So to get him in the sixth round, I think is good value. Again, not a position to need, but when, you know. Sixth off, round, yeah. yeah when six, you're that low, you start shooting for value and less for a sixth-round pick to yeah. add some solid depth with, you know, God forbid anything is. happens. Yeah. And the thing is, with the NFL, the battle was won in the trenches what? there. So I don't mind having a little extra depth on that offensive line. I was not whatsoever. Say, learn from the Cowboys' mistakes this past year when they were down to offensive tackle number five and six. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. So there's some positions where you can go very deep on the like the and spectrum the or on the lineup, but there's others where you can, you have to have that like, depth. Yeah. Obviously, I love Teron Armstead. He's freaky talent, fast as hell for a left tackle, but uh, hasn't hasn't had the greatest health history, especially in the past couple of years. So How old is he now? Uh, he's 31, okay. I believe. Uh, so. Honestly, I think just adding depth, great, especially in that sixth round. And then lastly, Kwan Baker, wide receiver, South Alabama. 
Uh, wide receiver room's not looking too great in New Orleans right now. I mean, absolutely. I will, of course, always love Mike Thomas, but uh, beneath that, uh, Traquan Smith did not live up to. She, and she is she is slated on the uh, team's depth chart as wide receiver two right now. Yeah. it's Traquan Smith. So uh, definitely a little alarming. <laughs> uh, if there's going to be anyone in this entire draft that uh, is that boom weight round pick, the guy that you know makes everyone think why the hell was he drafted earlier? I hope to God it's Kwan Baker. Uh, but to me, the most important thing about the Saints draft class was uh, the undrafted free agents that they pulled in. No team signed more undrafted free agents than New Orleans. Covered all sorts of position needs and got them on cheap contracts too, which is good because... They don't I mean, have the cap space. Right? Yeah, I was like, because they're, they're, like, they're more in-depth than any major bank probably in the United. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, they are crazy in-depth right day, now. The day after the Super Bowl, the Saints were over 100 mil on, like, over the cap. Yeah. Over $100 million <laughs> over the cap the day after the and Super Bowl. And before they did anything. Now, Mickey Loomis is a cap god. He always has been. Of He's great at just kicking the can down the road a bit and just, oh, I'll pay it off later. So, how he does it, I still have no idea to this day. Probably, probably illegal. There might be a 2030. Uh... Eh, the Saints have never done anything illegal. Whoa, I don't know what you're talking yeah. about. The Saints have never done anything illegal. Don't look that, <laughs> don't look that up. But, uh, so, undrafted free Especially agents. Especially your coach. Yeah, yeah. No, <laughs> never. Never. Rich, speaking of, good doc coming out with him. Starring yeah, that, Kevin James and all, but again, not the point. Um, especially, but... Homer for sure, but Trill Williams coming to the Saints, I'm a huge fan of because uh, he is currently slated to make the 53-man roster. He has the potential to do it. So to see uh, not only a former Q's player, but someone that I got to watch as a Syracuse student. Like, yeah. you know, and he's pretty talented. He's got some talent, yeah. It's, 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 right. a, it's a personal feel-good story for me. I mean, I was devastated when he got injured. So like just to see him play again and play for my favorite team, I love it. Absolutely love it. So just one last question for you guys. We can keep this like a minute or so for each of you. Are there any major players or teams that you feel like got underrated, especially like in this draft with like a guy they made have picked late? Or do you like on the, on the flip side, is there some team do you think isn't getting criticized enough for a pick that we haven't talked about yet? Oh, we could start with Seth uh, for this one time and then we'll move to Austin for that. Okay, so my biggest criticism has to be the – Jaguars taking Travis Etienne at 25 overall after they already have James Robinson, who put up a thousand yards and what like eight, nine, ten. It was, it was like, yeah. yeah, he he had an amazing year, and they decided to take a running back that they said that they wasn't even going to be a three down running back for them in the first round. So that's my biggest thing that we haven't talked about that kind of made me mad. Then the entire Texans draft is horrible. Uh, they well, it's the Texans, yeah. yeah it's it the was Texans. gonna be their franchise is a dumpster. The, the range was from bad it's to dumpster, dumpster fire. fire. <laughs> you don't know what to expect. Yeah, so those were horrible. Biggest steal of the draft for me was an undrafted free agent to the Ravens, Ardarius Washington out of TCU. I had him as a third rounder, possibly even like a late second rounder. And he somehow fell through the entire draft. Obviously, it scared away by his size. He's 5'8", and he ran like a 4'6". So, athlete-wise, very four, a lot of downside. Yeah. Or a 4'5", something like that. He, he was slow. He's slow and short, but, man, his instincts and just nose for the ball as a safety are off the charts. And if you just throw him back there as your free safety, I think he is going to be... Not necessarily star, but he gives me very big Tyron Matthew vibes. Mm -hmm. In the size, the skill set, the athleticism. The smarts especially. The IQ is really good. Because everything just fits the exact mold of Honey Badger. 
um, with just way less hype coming out of college. And how about you, Austin? Any, any major criticism or takeaway that we're missing here before we uh, wrap this episode well, up? Well, I was going to start with our Darius Washington, but I guess uh, <laughs> now I guess uh, my biggest two wins that we haven't discussed now. Uh, honestly, I cannot emphasize enough how great it is that the Chargers got Rashawn Suede at 13. That was a really like, good pick for them, yeah. Because, again, uh, that was one of the trenches, and I think like he's going to be such a great talent. I has, you know, He's absolutely a top 10 talent in this draft, not a question in my mind. So to get him at 13, didn't need to trade up, didn't need to give away a pick next year. So I think that was a great pick for the Chargers. And honestly, I like the first two picks that Cleveland made. So you got Greg Newsome, and then you got JOK coming out of Notre Dame. Uh, yep. So I think uh, them putting emphasis on the defense, especially after their free agency, where they brought in Javon Clowney, John Johnson, and I think they also got Troy Hill. I'm pretty sure I got Troy Hill, too. I think so. Did. Yeah. So really retooling that defense there. Um, which was pretty good. Yeah, was. which is basically their strength, and that made it even stronger. Yeah, it's, so to see Cleveland put a serious emphasis on that and – make that push I thought it was great those were two solid picks that I thought both of them could have gone a bit higher in the draft so Newsom's to get them to walk in ball. as a day one starter yes absolutely so put him alongside Denzel Ward I think that's a fantastic combo so to get two guys that fell to them to, they got great value they were both positions that they could plug in it's basically the only two positions that they didn't already have absolutely locked on that defense or that they didn't lock in via free agency. And so, especially if Greedy continues to develop. So, especially after this draft and this free agency, I'm a huge fan of Cleveland's defense. I think that's very underrated. Well, obviously, definitely we can be on this for a while, but obviously I think we covered most of the big points here. Austin, thank you so much for joining the pod. Of course. And then, Seth, thank you so much for joining the pod. Have a good one. Anytime. All right.